You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Well, here we go. The final four games starting tonight. Welcome back to Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Gary Hill here. Thanks for being here once again. As we get set for the final four games, can you believe it? The final four games of the regular season. Mariners, a big win yesterday in Houston. We're going to go through that in a few moments. Aaron Goldsmith is going to be here. We'll get you ready for the Mariners and A's coming up. Also, we'll take a look at, well, the standings, where the Mariners are, what they have to do. We'll take a look at all of that coming up in a few moments. So, a lot to get to, a lot going on, and hope to see you at Safeco Field starting tonight. Speaking of that, we're going to send some people to Safeco Field on Saturday. It's a ticket giveaway again. Two tickets coming up. And there are some good seats available for every game against the A's. And I hope Safeco is packed and jammed full of Mariner fans every one of these games coming up. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with everything on the line. We're going to do our part and at least give a couple away starting on Saturday. So here's here's what you have to do. You can tweet me at Gary Hill Jr. or you can email GaryHillPXP at gmail.com. And here's the question for you. You just have to tweet me a number. There are four games left for the Mariners in the season. How many games will the Mariners win of those four? So tweet me what you think at Gary Hill Jr. or email GaryHillPXP at gmail.com. How many games of the four will the Mariners win? Send me your answers. You have until first pitch tonight to get your answer in. Draw a winner at random. Doesn't matter the answer. I'll draw the winner at random and let you know right away and get you set up for Saturday at Safeco Field. So there we go. Again, good tickets available. You can find them at Mariners.com for any of the four games coming up. Should be electric. And as I'm going to talk about with Aaron in a few minutes, uh, I mean, can you imagine? You just close your eyes for a moment and think about what Safeco Field might be like on that Sunday if the Mariners are, I don't know, tied at that point or a game back or you know, with everything on the line, with Felix on the mound, day baseball at Safeco Field, just what it will be like. You do not want to miss that. So, again, Gary Hill Jr. or Gary Hill PXP at gmail.com. How many will they win? 
All right, so let's get to the ball game yesterday between the Mariners and the Astros, and one they really needed to get. They needed to take the series, and they got some big offense, and they got some big offense early. Robinson Cano, as he has just tortured the Astros this year. The 2-1 on the way, swing, and a fly ball will hit the left field. Hernandez going back, looking up, and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball into the Crawford boxes. Over the tall wall in left field. Opposite field home run for Robbie Cano, number 36 on the year. And yes, indeed, the Mariners have a 3-0 lead here in the top of the first inning. RBIs 95, 96, and 97. He has destroyed the Astros all season, his ninth home run against Houston. You look at the most Mariners home runs versus any opponent in a season, and it's funny because Nelson Cruz with his 10 this year against the Angels leads the way. Cano now is tied with Jay Buhner. They both hit nine. Cano this year, nine against the Astros. Buhner in 1995 against the Twins. What was amazing about that, he did it in nine games. And then Griffey, just behind, he had eight against the Rangers in 1994. And with the shortened season that year, Griffey actually uh, did it in 10 games against the Rangers. But nonetheless, Cruz Cano, very impressive feats. 36 home runs on the season for Cano. That's a career high. In fact, there's only seven times in American League history a second baseman has gone 36 or more home runs in a season. Dozier this year, one of them. He's over 40. Brett Boone did it for the Mariners in 2001. Soriano did it three times. But it has not happened very often. So Cano joins a very exclusive group. The Mariners kept on tacking on as the game went on. Curve swinging a liner into right center field past the diving second baseman Altuve. Here comes Martin on to score from third around to third. The throw to third base and safe at third is Marte. Almost overslid the bag. And in its second goes Norioki. And the Mariners have a 4 nothing lead. 4 nothing lead at that point, And they just kept on adding. 3-1 pitch. Smith with a swing and a soft line drive into the gap in right center field. Here comes Marte. Oki rounding third. He's going to score up. The ball is Springer. Soft toss back into second base. Seth Smith with a single into the gap in right center field. Drives in two more. And the Mariners now lead the Astros 6 to nothing. We're only in the second inning. How about that? Yeah, 7 to nothing would end up being the lead for the Mariners. Paxton on the mound, he was dealing. But Houston would start to crawl back. One in the third, two in the fifth, one in the sixth, getting awfully close. But then Scribner comes on. And you look at the final score, you may not know it, but the sixth inning, huge. The Astros threatening big time. Scribner comes on, and he was lights out. And a pitch from Scribner, fastball, strike three called, got him, two down. Great pitch by Evan Scribner, dotting the bottom of the zone in the outside corner, beautifully done, two outs. Here's the pitch to Springer, hit right side, right to Robbie Cano, takes his time, slings it over to Adam Lind, and Evan Scribner gets the job done out of the pen. Two strikeouts and a ground out, stranding two runners. That was enormous. Scribner 
getting out of the sixth inning, and then the Mariners went to work offensively. Zanino drives in a run in the seventh. The Mariners score two in the seventh, and then Kyle Seeger, a bomb in the in the uh, three-run bomb in the eighth. The stretch and the pitch. Swing and a high drive deep to right field. Springer to the one track to the wall. Goodbye baseball. Holy smoke. There is some icing on the cake this afternoon. Kyle Seeger with a two-out, three-run home run here in the top of the eighth inning. And it's now the Mariners 12 and the Astros 4 for Kyle Seeger. His 30th home run of the year. He joins Cruz, he joins Cano, just the third time in Mariners history. They've had three different players go over 30 on the same team in the same season. Hasn't happened since 1996 and again in 1997. Griffey, a part of both of those. Buner, a part of both of those. And in one year, it was Alex Rodriguez. And the other, it was Paul Sorrento. And now Seeger, Cruz, and Cano. All over 30 this year. And my favorite stat of all, Kyle Seeger, five home runs in April, five in May, five in June, five in July, five in August, and now five in September to get his 30. Mariners win 12 to 4 in the ball game yesterday. And for Seeger, something he feels good about that 30 number. First thing you had to do to get this game was to put yesterday behind you. What did the skip tell you last night, and what did you see this morning in the clubhouse? Uh, just like you said, just, you know, put yesterday behind us. Nothing you can do about it. Just to, uh, you know, continue to keep playing loose and to have fun, and, you know, we'll see where this takes us. Are you having fun right now? Yeah, today was fun. Absolutely. That was a good game. You know, uh, it was nice jumping on the board early, you know, Paxton threw the ball well, and that's a good group. So they made it interesting there in the middle, and, you know, scribbling through the ball really well for us. So, I mean, it, it was a good all-around win for us. The Astros can make it interesting, especially in this ball game. Add-on was key today. Yeah, you know, they, they swing the bats really well. You know, we knew that going in there. And, you know, especially in this ballpark, you know, they hit a lot of home runs. So, you, you never, you know, feel too comfortable. But, you know, the, the way we threw the ball today and, you know, we were able to score some runs, it was, it was definitely a good for us. Good to see you get the bat going early and then the home run, number 30 for you. That's got to be a special number. Yeah, you know, that's, a, that's definitely a big one. So, that's a, that's a cool one for me. You know, I... Uh, you know, definitely proud of that, but, you know, it's even better that we won. And better than that, even at that point, those runs, I think that was probably the big sigh of relief right there. Yeah, you know, I mean, our bullpen's been really good. So, you know, you felt comfortable there, but, you know, you, you bump it to eight runs, it feels a lot better. What was the dugout like today? It was good. You know, Martine was great. You know, the the, dug, the um, environment all day was pretty good. So, you know, nobody's holding her head down, nobody's feeling sorry for ourselves. So we're, we're just go out there and keep playing. Got a chance right now. You got four big games in front of you. What's the approach? Same thing. You know, have fun. Play every game hard, and, uh, you know, we'll see where the chips fall. You heard Martine mention there, three for four, three runs scored, an RBI, a great play defensively, a walk as well. He swiped two bags. He did everything in this ball game. The skipper, Scott Service, oh, he talked about Martine. He talked about Scribner. Here's what he had to say about the ball game. Really, really happy for our guys. You know, last night was uh, was one that was really tough to swallow. We kind of let it slip away, and you know, we talked about it after the game. And I think the guys left here in a pretty good state of mind based on what happened, and they showed up today ready to play. And you know, a huge home run early by Robbie really, you know, got everybody relaxed a little bit. And then uh, thought Leonis Martin played an unbelievable game. You know, really on the bases, uh, defensively. You know, three knocks, uh, awesome. Really happy for Sieg uh, to get the, the 30th homer out of the way. And, 
you know, everybody contributed today. Um, Scribner, uh, unbelievable job there, you know, kind of when the game was, it was still, you know, up in the air, and uh, we really needed it. Everybody had to contribute, and, uh, you know, we're still alive. A little bit more about Scribner, because the game was starting to slip over there. I mean, they got oh, yeah. the tying run to the plate, and that's yeah. no outs. No, it, it's, you know, Evan's been great since he's come. We've had to be a little careful how much we use him on, you know, I don't think he's gone back-to-back dates at all, but, you know, he's, the biggest thing for him is he throws strikes. He does not walk people, knock on wood, but uh, the big at-bat, you know, he makes a great pitch to Tony Kemp, uh, a couple punch-outs, and, and gets out of it. Uh, really needed. Nick Vincent just didn't have it today. You know, he's been awesome, uh, probably about the last 10, 11 times out, but you have those days where it just didn't look good, and, you know, it was time to go to Scrib, and he, he certainly picked us up today. We, we really needed it. You got the second inning from him, too. I don't think you've done that with him this year. No, we haven't. Uh, we've went one plus, I think, a couple times, but uh, he's got the ability to do that. Uh, I think when we got the couple add-on runs, he was more than happy to run out there, and, you know, he probably won't be available tomorrow, but, you know, it's about today, and we had to get this win today. You mentioned Leonis. Uh, you know, we've seen how tough he's been dealing with the Fernandez death, and to kind of just, he, he admitted it's been tough to play the last couple of days. It seemed kind Breakout! How big was that? Really, you know, um, he has been our, you know, our vocal leader all year in the dugout and jumping around and whatnot, and everything that happened, you know, in Miami uh, a few days ago, really kind of you know, was hard on him. You know, he knows exactly you know, where that whole accident happened, and you know, it's taken a little while to work through it. But I think you've seen a number of guys around the league have responded in a very positive way in their performance, and um, certainly, you know, it, it was uh, it was great to see out of Leonis today. Yeah, and in fact, Leonis Martini, you'll hear it at the end, what he says. He dedicated uh, his ball game to Jose Fernandez. Scott, since you're the, you're the emotional leader of this team and the vocal leader, how hard has it been the last couple of days to be that guy, you know, dealing with everything that's been going on, you know, outside of the team? You know, being put the pieces together, you know, it's, it's not only about four or five guys, you know, it's about everybody, you know. We're here. We fight here to get the playoff because everybody do something, collect something to to be here today. So I mean, we gotta keep doing. We gotta push like a team. We gotta be together to get way to the point we wanna get. Was game more normal last? You know, after the last couple of days, it feel a little bit more normal to play. You know. Yeah, you know. You know, man, we we are at the moment. We gotta you. Gotta do something. I gotta do, collect something to win ball games. We fight. We play like a playoff game. You know, stay focused and try to do your job. Gotta do something to win ball games. And I'd like to say, wanna, it's gonna be one of my one of my best game of the year. I would like to dedicate it to my boy Jose. There it is. That was Leonis Martin. Fantastic game. Evan Scribner, too. I don't think you can say enough about what he did in this ball game. And you look at what he's done for the Mariners. It's pretty remarkable. A guy that's been hurt, uh, rehabbing all season, trying to work his way back, had some setbacks, and finally does make it back in September. And you really don't know at that point what you're going to get. I mean, he hasn't really pitched in a year, and what you've gotten is 10 ball games of scoreless baseball. 12 and a third innings, five hits, no runs, two walks, and 14 strikeouts. Opponents betting a buck 25 against him to go along with a 0.00 ERA. It has just been amazing. Some high leverage situations as well. So impressive. And he was big time 
in the game last night. Here's what he had to say. You don't want, you know, I mean, especially you don't want to walk a guy like that with other guys, other big guys coming up. So just try to, you know, make a good pitch down. Hopefully he can get himself out. I think I, he just was probably looking curveball there or something and took that one. Sam, what you've been through this year, what's it mean to pitch in these kind of games? It's, I mean, it's awesome. Like, it's, it's hard to describe. I'm still kind of happy just to be playing. So, um, you know, watching, I have a different perspective on this team than everybody else. Just watching every day when I was in Arizona rehab and watch them on TV every day, so it's uh, it's really fun playing with the team that you watch on TV, so that's fun. Well, we, so, you know, we have ask, what was that like for you to be away and to have to go through a lot issue again and everything leading up to this? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's pretty frustrating. You know, I watch, I watch every game when I was there, but it's still hard to see watch everybody playing and having fun and winning and stuff like that, and I'm stuck, stuck doing nothing, but, uh, you know, I stayed on it and uh, got through the rehab and Happy to, be, happy to get through it and be back here. Did you, was there any question that you were going to be back? I mean, you know, you had some setbacks and stuff like that. I mean, did you ever think that maybe? I mean, yeah, it's always a question. I mean, an injury was pretty significant, so there was definitely times when I didn't know if I, how I would come back or if I would ever come back, and there was good days and bad days. And <clears throat> Luckily, towards the end, I started having a lot more good days, and everything started to smooth out, so it was, it was good towards the end, and now I'm good to go. The two innings were significant for yeah, I mean, uh, they've been, you know, babying me pretty good, you know, giving me, you know, the, the, the days off and stuff like that. So I was, I was pretty good for that, for the two innings. I wasn't tired or anything, so I was, I was pretty ready for that one. Do you bounce back next day after throwing a lot? Usually I do, but I haven't pitched in a year. So at first I was, you know, it would, it would take me a little bit. I would be more sore than usual, but now I'm good. I'm back in the mix now. Everything's rolling now, so back to normal, normal guy. Now, all of that was great. Mariners get the win 12-4. to Bummer what happened after because it looked like Toronto was going to knock out Baltimore as they took a lead into the ninth inning. Osuna on the hill, their closer, has been so good this year. And instead, Baltimore whacks a two-run home run. They take the lead, and they win the ball game. The Mariners had a chance to be a game back without that. And then... Detroit and Cleveland are tied up. Detroit, they hit a three-run home run. And the bottom of the fifth, the rains come. And in a rain-shortened five-inning ball game, the Tigers win 6-3. to three. So a couple of really tough breaks after the ball game for the Mariners. So here's what things are looking like heading into play today. And play is starting early today, although the rains are coming in – Detroit for Cleveland and Detroit. It's a 10 a.m. Pacific start there, so we'll have our eyes on that one, but they may be dealing with rain all game long, but that's a big one for the Mariners as Cleveland and Detroit play. We'll get to the pitching matchup in a moment, but right now, Toronto holding the first wild card by a game over Baltimore. Baltimore holding the second wild card. Detroit is one game out. The Mariners two games out. And the Mariners that went over Houston yesterday, the Astros one and a half behind the Mariners. So M's 84 and 74, Tigers 85 and 73, Baltimore 86 and 72, Toronto 87 and 71. Mariners and A's starting tonight at Safeco Field. And we're just going to take this uh, kind of a day at a time. Let's look at the pitching matchups tonight for everyone and we'll start this morning 
Cleveland, of course, very shorthanded in the rotation. They're going to go with the lefty, Ryan Merritt. Merritt has pitched three games all out of the bullpen. He has gone six total innings, three hits, one run, no walks, and two strikeouts. So Ryan Merritt will take the ball, a rookie, just a handful of appearances. And again, Cleveland don't have a lot of options in the rotation. They've been hard with injuries. Carrasco, Salazar, even Kluber now is banged up. So they've had to turn some different places for their starts. Now, for the Tigers, they'll go with Daniel Norris, the lefty, former Blue Jay, will take the ball. This year, 3-2 and two with a 3-5-9 ERA. He's been pretty good and pretty consistent. He's pitched – he's given them five or six innings basically every time out. Five and two-thirds last time against KC, two earned. At Cleveland, two starts ago, five innings, one earned. Start before that, Minnesota, six and a third, two earned. Start before that against KC, six innings, three earned. I mean, you get the picture. It's been like that. So not an easy matchup, but Mariner fans will be hoping for the best that Cleveland can help the M's out and get a victory over the Tigers. Now the other one to watch, Baltimore and the Blue Jays from Toronto. That's going to be a 4 o'clock start. So we'll have a pretty good idea what things look like uh, by first pitch at Safeco Field tonight. Jimenez will go for Baltimore, 7-12, and 12, a 5-7-1 ERA. Stroman will get the call for the Blue Jays. Menez, by the way, last time out was excellent against Boston, five and a third, no runs. But it's really been kind of an up-and-down season overall. He's been in and out of the rotation, but he's had some flashes recently, including going the distance against Tampa Bay, giving up three runs. Start after that in Detroit, just giving up two and seven. So he's been much better than he was early on in the season. Strowman, meanwhile, nine and nine, a 4-3-4 ERA for the Blue Jays. It was a struggle for Stroman to start the year, but he's really kicked it into high gear recently. Went seven scoreless last time against the Yankees. Went six against the Angels the time before that. Gave up two earned runs. So Stroman has been really good. And the Mariner, Mariners and Mariners fans hoping that Stroman will be really good against Baltimore tonight, 4 o'clock, first pitch there. Mariners taking on the A's. Ariel Miranda will get the call for the Mariners. Kendall Graveman will go for the A's. Graveman has been the most consistent pitcher for Oakland this year. 10 and 11, a 4-1-9 ERA. But the Mariners tagged him the last time these teams played. Last time they met in Oakland, part of that Mariners sweep, Mariners won that game 14-3. It was his career worst start. Five innings, 12 hits, Eight runs, all earned. No homers, which is interesting. He's a real ground ball guy. He walked three, and the Mariners were all over him. Now, he's better last time out against Texas. Went seven, gave up just three. He's been very consistent this year, but the Mariners have consistently hit him more than any other team. And I mean, nothing like last time out, but we'll see what they do against Graveman. Miranda will get the call for the M's. Was not sharp last time out against the Twins. Uh, was pulled early, went four, gave up three earned, and that was the 3-2 to two loss in the middle game of that series. Mariners had won his previous four starts, and he 
had the second-best ERA in September coming into that start behind Rick Porcello. So he'll get the call. And, again, if he's not sharp early, expect the Mariners to go to the bullpen. It's all on the line in these four games. So I expect Scott Service to play this like the postseason as these teams go at it. So Mariners and A's, 7 o'clock at Safeco Field. Hope to see you there. Don't forget the ticket giveaway, too, for Saturday. Hope to see you all weekend. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun at Safeco Field. And here to talk about it, let's welcome in Aaron Goldsmith. To the six, all even at two, and for the play-by-play, here's Aaron. They're booing me, Rick. Not you. That was right on cue. If they knew you, they would never <laughs> boo you, buddy. One-two pitch, swing and a miss. Oh, did he get tied up? That was dirty from Felix. Picks up the dirties, washes them, and brings them back fresh. And we got Aaron Goldsmith here. Hair just glistening in the sunlight, so it's pretty distracting. I'm a happily married man with a child on the way, and I love Katie Perry. Um, that is that is me in a nutshell, and I talk about the Mariners on the radio every night. So kind of let it eat. Oh, breaking news: the bees are still there. You look up above the mound, and it looks like you're staring up to the mothership, like you could be beamed up at any moment. That white roof with all the circles and the scaffolding. Way out of here to right field. Thank you very much. Aaron Goldsmith here. Last series of the season starting tonight, and it's it's all right there. The Mariners, four games to go, two games back, but here we are, the meaningful last series of the season. Are you acting like there's some buildup to this or some kind of hype, Gary? I mean, <laughs> it's, don't, it's only the final four games to determine – if this playoff drought can come to an end, I don't, I don't understand. You, I feel, I feel like you're angling for something here. No, no, here. nothing, nothing, not angling. To I feel like you're, you're creating, you're creating unneeded, unneeded drama here, Steve. Man, <laughs> hey, hey, let me tell you, it's just another game, Gary. It's just, just another. Oh, uh, you're taking a one, one game at a time. Is I'm taking a one minutes? game at a time. Taking a one game at a time. You just, so this, you know, it's you so funny. Go- we say this. It seems like we say this every year whether it's about the Mariners or just any team or baseball in general, you know, you play forever, right? I mean, this season is forever. And I always like to think of it, even back to spring training, just how long these guys are doing this daily grind for. And yet, even though it lasts forever, it still comes down to, as you said, the final four days. It could come down to the final day. And even in the final day, there still could be an unprecedented tiebreaker that is needed. So, it's just remarkable how how long of a marathon the season is, and yet sometimes it's still just down to the absolute wire. So this is going to be obviously the biggest series of the season for the Mariners, certainly the biggest homestand, if you can call four games a homestand it is. But, uh, boy, get out to Safeco Field. It's going to be awesome. And it all lines up, of course, with Felix on Sunday, game 162. This is exactly what you want as a sports fan, as a Mariners fan. So, boy. The schedule makers are awfully happy right now. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, September, relevant September baseballs, what we wanted coming into the season, we're getting more than that with the very last series of the year. And, you know, the Mariners win a series in Minnesota. They win a series in Houston. They swept Oakland last time they played. Sweeping four games, never an easy thing, but that's certainly the goal, I think, for these last four games. Yeah, and I think I was thinking about some of the flight home. When you look at 
the schedule for the Mariners down this final stretch and how fortunate they have been with the heavy amount of right-handers that they have yes. faced. And wouldn't you know it, with the lefty pitcher, the lefty starter, by and large, being the nemesis of the Mariners this year, on the final day of the season, <laughs> they will face a lefty and Manaya, the rookie for the A's. And so wouldn't that be something if game 162, the Mariners have to face uh, really the biggest challenge for them for most of the season, and that is left-handed pitching. And that and that could be the hurdle. I mean, it's it's kind of funny how it all gets drawn up, both in terms of the schedule and also just the way the opposing team lines up in terms of the rotation. And I brought this up on the air today, G-Man, and I'm interested in, in your thoughts on it. You, you think about how well Sonny Gray has pitched at Safefield Field historically. He's been just incredible. And yet the Mariners will miss Sonny Gray, who has been activated from the disabled list. And so you, I always ask myself, well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because the way that Sonny Gray has been pitching over the course of the season, you kind of would like to face Sonny Gray, but he's still, historically speaking, that's the last guy you want to face at Safefield Field. So the Mariners miss him. They get a lefty instead the only lefty in the A's rotation right now. So it's kind of interesting how all that works out. No, I thought that about, I thought that too about Sonny Gray. I mean, he hasn't had a great season. He's been hurt. But at the end of the day, the thing I kept coming back to, he's Sonny Gray after it's all said and done. And it would still – I'd still rather not face him with so much on the line uh, in the final <laughs> series. You know what I mean? Because after it's all said and done, he's still, he's still Sonny Gray. Yeah, and he could easily he could easily pitch like he always has at Safeco Field, or almost always has. And I remember certainly right. He said maybe one hiccup of a start yeah. in Seattle, but it's it's going to be thrilling. And I don't know if you, I I saw this on Twitter just before we took off coming back home to Seattle that on Sunday this Kings Court will be a special T-shirt with uh, oh. Felix's uh, face and hand gestures saying this is my house. Yes. I mean, it's it's going to be awesome. It is. Uh, this is this is exactly what you were hoping for. Now, when the team uh, broke Peoria, you're hoping to have meaningful games in September, and goodness knows they're going to have meaningful games all the way down to the final wire. So this is going to be fantastic. I've got to find a way to get one of those shirts. I have I know. got to. <laughs> it is I know. awesome. It looks awesome. I mean, if I have to buy a Kings Court ticket to do it, so be it. But I have to. Get <laughs> one Give me a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is. Uh, man, can you imagine? Coming down to that last day, a noon start with Felix on the hill. Can you just imagine if they're a game back or tied or whatever the scenario, but with everything on the line, I mean, Safeco Field is going to be just awesome. Yeah, and it's going to be it's going to be Felix's carving station because he will carve up the A's if that's the case. Yeah, and we all we all remember what he did to the Angels for five innings back in 2014 on that same day, and. I've said it a number of times. I think he would have struck out 15 angel sitters that day if it was not for, and as it turned out, the A's winning in Texas and uh, the Mariners aiming for a play-in game. But it's it's pretty remarkable. The Mariners still still have a chance, despite a loss in Minnesota and a loss in Houston, they still have a chance to outright get the second wild card, more realistic to get the play-in game. The scenarios to go through all that, it's a, it's a little dizzying to look at what would have to happen for uh, the Orioles and the Tigers. This, of course, is all assuming that the Blue Jays end up winning the first wild card spot. Uh, but we could have, uh, for the first time ever, a three-way tie for that second wild card, which would be 
I'd be pure chaos, and if you're a fan of chaos, this is a, a perfect year to be a baseball fan. Which, as it turns out, wouldn't be terrible for the Mariners because of how the tiebreakers fall. It's so funny. I was thinking about this because you never know, like when you're in May or June, how important a series can be or playing a team head-to-head. And as it turns out, a 6-1 and record against Baltimore has been hugely important, not only for this race, but in case the tiebreakers do come into effect. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. You, you never think about I mean, when the Mariners saw the Orioles for the first time, I think in, yeah, in May, I mean, never were we saying, oh, yeah, well, you <laughs> tell you what, you got, Gary, you got to sweep because there could be this crazy history of a three-way tie for the second wild card. Um, but if, there, if there's just a two-way tie, the Mariners would host the Orioles. They would have to go to Detroit if they tied in a two-way tie with the Tigers. But, yeah, in a three-way tie, it's basically – and, of course, we didn't know any of this until we had to look up all the rules because of just how incredible this has become. They would you would pool the records. So you've got Team A, B, and C, in this case Mariners, Tigers, Orioles. And the Mariners' record against those two teams, Detroit and Baltimore, the combined win-loss record is better than that of any other team versus – the other two teams, if any of that makes sense. No, you explained, so the Mariners, you explained it, it very well. I mean, yes. okay, okay. Well, good. We've rehearsed a lot of, on this. So basically, the Mariners would have the option of hosting a play-in game and then having to travel to a play-in game and then go to, in this case, Toronto. Or you could just play one play-in game, which would be the second one and then go to Toronto. And if it's the case of, let's say, Detroit, then you'd already be halfway to Toronto, more than halfway to Toronto, I guess. So you'd go there, and then you'd fly to Toronto, as opposed to having to play two. And then it's – okay, now it's now the birds are starting to circle above my head. It's <laughs> getting a little dizzy. Uh, but that's kind of roughly speaking what's going on. Well, it's interesting. Did we end it now? Is this? Did, did we, have we? Have we lost everybody? No, no. I think we got it. I, what I should actually do is read how the rule is written because I read that today, and <laughs> it is very complex sounding until you break it. It's easier to insert actual teams. How it's funny. Right, because right, team A, team B, yes. team C. Yeah, it's terrifying. It gets very convoluted, and there's this giant paragraph. It's it's actually pretty funny to read the rule, but yes, that's. That's what it is. And it's interesting to look at the other schedules here down the stretch because Baltimore has one more with Toronto, and then they finished with the Yankees. And Detroit, they have one more with Cleveland. And what I think is going to be a very tough series in Atlanta. Well, the Braves just swept the Mets in New York, did they not? Well, here's the thing about – yeah. Here, here's the thing about the Braves – if you look at the second half since the All-Star break, the Cubs, for example, they have the fifth most runs in baseball. Not a surprise, 325 runs. The team directly ahead of them, the Atlanta Braves, 329. They have been a different offensive team, and really a different team overall since the All-Star break. You look at the overall numbers, they don't jump out, but it's going to be a tough task, especially at their place, which we've talked about this, without the DH. Right. I think it's if you think about the American League, I mean you think about everyday DHs, I mean the two that come to mind, David Ortiz and Victor Martinez. And Victor Martinez will be limited to simply pinch hitting duties. 
And that's a huge arrow taken out of the quiver of Brad Ausmus, and there's no doubt about it. And Martinez had just recently begun swinging a pretty hot bat after a somewhat prolonged uh, stretch of really not getting many hits. So uh, that's a huge cog in that lineup that will not be at his disposal. And I, I think when you look at that, the way that they ended, and we all know that every day there is an interleague game played from start to finish all season long. And, man, the Astros went through it last year in Arizona. So, you know, they lose Gaddis, but Gaddis is not the difference maker last year on that Astros lineup like Victor Martinez is this season, of course, for the Tigers. So I think you're right. That is absolutely enormous. Uh, and I, I, it's just it's kind of the short straw. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, no doubt. So what do the Mariners have to do in these final four games? What's What's the key? Well, we need we need to get Robinson Cano a hotel room that looks exactly like that <laughs> that he stayed in in Houston for the last three days. That's a great idea. I think that's that's probably part of it. We should change all of his clocks to Central Time Zone. It'll, I think it'll impact his arrival time a little bit, but that'll be okay. I think we'll, he'll be, he'll be all right. So uh, I assume obviously, you're going to wear cowboy boots and a big big cowboy hat. <laughs> just to, you know, make him think he's. I think Houston. there's a, a belt buckle with a big 22 on it someplace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm obviously very interested to see what Miranda will look like tonight in game one of the series. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, it's kind of like you, you, Taiwan, Iwakuma, Felix. Uh, I think we're still all still. I mean, Taiwan's season has been up and down enough that you still don't feel totally like you know what you're going to get each and every time out. And. I mean, you give him a little bit of a pass for sure. Probably that's not fair. Probably more than a little bit of a pass because of all the mechanical adjustments that he's made, um, and he's still getting a feel for that. There's no question about it. But as jaded as it sounds, man, it it starts and ends with that starting pitching. I mean, the the Oakland A's swept the Royals, I think, in four games. Yeah, four games. Uh, Battered like them. Less, yeah, less less than two weeks ago. And, and, hey, the Royals are not the Royals of last year, but it's about a 500 team, and we know the Royals still have some really good players. This question mark for me is going to be Miranda tomorrow in game one because – or tonight, rather, in game one because we've we've seen him at his very best, and he's he has had some fantastic moments this year. And, it, man, I mean, you know what this is like, G-Man. You, you get the momentum of taking the two games – on the, the two series on this road trip, and you come home – you begin the biggest home stand of the season. If Miranda gets you out on the right foot, all of a sudden that momentum and that snowball really starts. And now you start turning it over to the rotation that you've seen more, more of a sample size on certainly. And, and man, Kuma and Felix especially. I think you start feeling you start feeling pretty good. You need some help still for sure, but obviously the idea of winning outright, starting with the final game in Houston and running the table five and zero. Man, you feel pretty good about that. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I expect Scott Service to treat this, these as playoff games. I, I think he'll be pretty quick with some of the guys in the rotation if it comes down to it because bullpen has been great and it's really deep. I don't think he'll hesitate to go to him if needed. Yeah, you have to. You're, you are afforded that luxury this time of year. And obviously, when you look at it offensively, the Mariners were able to get by without Nelson Cruz by dropping 12 runs on a Wednesday against the Astros. But 
I do. I was thinking about this today a little bit during a commercial break when you see Nelly grimacing. Oh. You know, you, obviously, you want to get to the postseason, but you wonder, man, if you play a, a play-in game and then a wild card game, then you get to a divisional series, yes, getting ahead of myself. But, hey, I, I'm, I'm allowed to do that. Scott Service isn't. Yeah, you're not um, playing. It's okay. Exactly, yeah. I'm, I'm, I might even be paid a little bit to get ahead of myself. <laughs> but, yeah, you do wonder, I mean, how much is this going to start to compound on Nelson Cruz? Obviously, as valuable of a bat as you can think of. So that is a huge question mark for me, and I'm sure for Scott, obviously, and for everybody else. It's just, man, I, none of us really know how much pain Nelson has gone through. He, by and large, wears it very well. Uh, but, obviously, he's not right. And, man, a tip of the cap for Nelson for just gutting through this, man, because yeah. it's obviously affecting him. And, yeah. and goodness knows the Mariners need Nelson Cruz. Yeah, what a gamer. You can see it on his face in some of the swings that it yeah, just looks that's been hard. It's hard to watch sometimes when he just – you can tell just how long he needs to recover from a swing just to just to get that pain out of there. Okay, lastly, before you go, man, I was thrilled that Kyle Seeger hit that home run yesterday. So it's – he's got five in April, five <laughs> in know. May, five in June, five in July, five in August, and five in September. Although I'll say this, as much as I love that – it would be fine if he went to six, seven, or eight in September. I would be totally okay with that. So you'll be interested to hear this. We get on the, on the, the team plane in Houston, and there's a, a period of time when you get on the plane, and you're, you, we have to sit there for a little bit because they have to load all the equipment. They have to load you know, the luggage for one thing, but really more than anything, it's just the equipment. So we're sitting there and having a snack and uh, – as, as it turns out, Kyle's getting on the plane and having a chat with a couple of people, and Kyle walks past me, and I, I put out my hand, and I, I congratulate him on 30 home runs. That's obviously awesome. Yeah. And I was like, I'm like, hey, Kyle, you, are you aware of this? Like, you've homered five times in, in every month? And, you know, Kyle is as humble of a guy as there is. Just kind of gave a look like, oh, yeah, okay, that's kind of cool. And <laughs> he starts walking away, and he turns back, and he goes, man, we've got – we got a couple of games we might be playing in October. That I could I could have a lot of home runs in like one or two games in October. So he's already he's already thinking ahead. He's he's ready to pace it out five every month, including uh, including October of this year. So get ready for it. That sounds excellent. Pick well, the click right there, G man. Pick oh, the good. Yeah, early pick the click. I like it. Yeah, let's go and lock it in right there. But, yeah, I'm obviously 30 bombs, 99 ribbies. The Mariners have never had a 3,100 third baseman. And I feel like, I feel like Gary, when we do our, our preseason podcast at the end of spring training, I feel like one or both of us always predict Kyle to be 30 and 100. Uh, and this is the year. I mean, it's just a career year for Kyle Seeger, and what a what a joy he's been to watch each and every day for his whole career, but especially this year. So, yeah, he's man, fantastic. Big bats are really swinging it. They have been all season, and uh, hopefully they unleash it once again against the A's. Yep, big series. Hey, thanks for coming on. You got it. We'll try to find a couple of those T-shirts, G-Man, so you don't have to buy a ticket, okay? Oh, whatever. What, whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> good talking with you, man. Sounds Hope good. To see everybody out of state field for these four days. It's going to be awesome. See you later!